Welcome to Hacks for Life with Galen Jones of James Group Ministries, a Christ-centered conversation that will encourage and inspire you to live a better life. Now let's join Galen Jones of James Group Ministries. Welcome to Hacks for Life. I'm Galen Jones, your host, and I'm here with Scott Rahi, and he is persuaded that the books, the documents that we call the New Testament and Old Testament, or the Bible, the documents that we have in the Bible, were written early. So, Scott, tell us what that means. And we're mainly focusing on the New Testament. New Testament. Because that's, and you're right, the Old Testament, obviously, we care about when those were written, too, and there are... There are scholars that will say that, like, the first five books of the Bible were written, you know, several thousand years later right. than what we believe that they were written. And they weren't written by Moses, and they were written, you know, well after, you know, Israel was established as a nation and stuff. I'm not really going to get into that. I will say this. Um, there are two books out there. One is called Who Wrote Who um, Who Wrote the Bible. And I can't remember the name of the author, but then there was a, a Jewish scholar that responded to it. And the name of the response book is Who Really Wrote the Bible? So if you're interested in the Old Testament stuff, it's Who Wrote the Bible. I would read that one first because that's the one sort of attacking the traditional view. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back with Who Really Wrote the Bible. And that's he goes back and says, there's no reason to accept sort of this later dating. And it, it, it's exclusively about the Old Testament. Um, but yeah, so, so we'll, we'll spend our time talking mainly about the New the Testament. New Testament. Yep. And what you'll find is the... Um, Today, you'll, I mean, you'll even hear people say today, scholars agree. And there's really, there are a lot of scholars that believe that the documents that make up the New Testament were, were written quite late. And there are reasons that they make these claims, and we'll talk about some of these. Um, but I think there's a strong case to be made that the documents were written very, very early. Now, the events that they record are, some, you know, it's the first half of the, of the first century. Um, Jesus was born somewhere between 6 and 4 B.C., um, based on some of the things that were happening whenever we talk about the reign of Quirinius and, you know, these different, you know, governors and things that were in, in power during the first census and that sort of thing. It's somewhere bef- between 6 and 4 B.C. He, he died somewhere around 30 A.D. Paul and his writings are considered to be the first books written in the New Testament, the first New Testament documents. Paul, I think, died, I want to say around 65, and I believe Peter, maybe it was 62, and then Peter died at 65, I think something like Both of them were, were martyred. So all of these things that were happening, scholars in many cases will say, well, they were, they were written later than that. Um, Paul's writings, in some cases, they'll say well, they weren't even written by Paul. They were written after his death. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't think the way I approach this, and the, and the people that I've that have been um, sort of inf- influenced my thinking has have been, you know, their position is that we should trust the Bible unless we have reason to doubt it. And today, there's a lot of scholars that will approach the Bible and say the Bible is a bunch of folklore, and we shouldn't trust it unless you give us so good a reasons that we can no longer think of it as folklore. And so they would be the ones that would take this late dating. And I think they're approaching it wrong. I think instead you need to approach it as a trustworthy set of documents. And we'll, you know, as we move along, we'll talk about things like archaeology and does it support the Bible and, you know, things like that. So my position is trust that the Bible is reliable and I believe it's written early. 
um, there's and just at the very outset of it, there's a um, there's an author, John A. T. Robinson. He's like I say, he's head of this death of or part of this death of God movement, and he wrote a book called Redating the New Testament. And he says every New Testament document was written before seventy A. D. Which is interesting. It's like within forty years of the events they went after Jesus died. Um, and seventy A.D. is an important date in history because that's the date that the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. That's mm-hmm. the that's the year that the Romans invaded and they 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 sort of raised um, Jerusalem and the temple was destroyed. And you know that is in the Jewish world that's kind of like our nine eleven. You right. know, so it's it's a, it's a very 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 big deal. And then in in just for clarification, that's whether an author mentions that or doesn't mention it, if they mentioned it, then it obviously happened. Yep. If they didn't mention it, then the, the assumption is it hadn't happened yet. I think that's one of the reasons that we that we date Acts as early as we do, because Luke doesn't mention it. Right. And, and it, because of the significance of the event. That would be like the way I've described it before is imagine writing a history of the early 21st century in New York City. And you don't include 9-11 in it. That would just be nuts. Obviously, you're going to include that if you're writing a history. The only reason that it wouldn't be in there is if you wrote it before 2001. Right, and you, didn't, you weren't aware of it. And you weren't aware of it. Yeah. 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 So <clears throat> let's, let's talk a little bit about this, this idea of when these documents were written and in kind of in what order. And I've got some dating here. So I'm going, to, I'm going to read through some of this. This is uh, what the notes that I have, and this is from Wikipedia. And what Wikipedia has done, I don't trust Wikipedia, but it has sort of collected sort of popular ideas around you know these these different texts. And they'll, and if you read through it, you'll see um, they say that that Galatians was written sometime between 48 and 55 A.D. They'll give that an early dating. That's before Paul died. Jude, they believe, is written somewhere between 50 and 110 A.D. Now, again, I'm not saying that this is the dates. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that these are kind of these liberal scholars that are taking the, mm-hmm. you know, they're saying this, yeah. just to give you a sense of it. They'll, they say that they believe um, First Thessalonians was written around 51. They say Second Thessalonians probably the same year, but possibly post-A.D. 70. And the reason they give for that is they say they think that the language and theology in Second Thessalonians points to um, a much more, more much more formalized theology, so the, therefore the later date, um, and they, so they believe necessarily they think that Second Thessalonians probably was forged and wasn't written by Paul. First Corinthians, they'll say you know, the these scholars will say somewhere between fifty three and fifty seven. Um, Philippians fifty four to fifty five, Philemon fifty four to fifty five, Second Corinthians anywhere from fifty five to fifty eight, Romans fifty seven to fifty eight. Colossians, either 62 or post-70, and they also refer to the book in Colossians and say theology appears more formalized, and so it's probably a forgery, and it's probably not Paul. Again, not me. That's not what I think. Then the first gospel, they think the earliest gospel is Mark's, and they say it was written sometime between 65 and 73. They say the book, the letter of James, or the, uh, the epistle of James, 65 to 85, um, and that they say the way the style of the Greek makes it unlikely that it was actually written by the brother of Jesus, which we believe. Um, not only that, but if it's written by the brother of Jesus, then it has to be quite a bit early because Luke records the death of of James, mm-hmm. I believe, right? So it has to have occurred before Acts was finished. First um, Peter seventy five to ninety, Matthew eighty to ninety, Luke eighty to ninety, Acts eighty to ninety. 
Um, and some some scholars will even tell you that the uh, that the uh, book of Acts was written probably in the second century because it shows awareness of Paul's letters, which is you know I don't know why that would make it a second century, especially if Luke was a, a companion of Paul. Right. Ephesians somewhere in between eighty and ninety. Again, Paul dies mid sixties. 80 to 90 for Ephesians. It couldn't have been written by Paul. Um, Hebrews, somewhere 80 to 90. They believe John was written somewhere between 90 and 110, the Gospel of John. First, second, and third John and Revelation, somewhere between 90 and 110. They think Revelation may be about 95. And then they'll tell you that first and second Timothy and Titus were written somewhere around AD 100. And they'll tell you that they think second Peter was written um, around 110. And that's a long list. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm not trying to just sit here and just bore people by giving a list. But I want to give you a sense of what sort of the liberal scholars say. So if you are, if you are interested in sort of taking that sort of next step and that sanctification process and de- deepening your understanding of Scripture and you come to this, initially it might be dismaying to look at it and go, well, these things weren't even written by Paul. I mean, this was written uh, A.D. 100, First and Second Timothy and Titus. I can't trust that. Yeah. Second Peter was written 110 A.D. Well, Peter died around 65. I can't trust that. And that's something we want to inoculate people against, because I don't think any of that's true. I don't think there's any there's not a strong case to be made for that other than. And this is why this is why I think um, these late dates are often set. It's because these books describe future events in some cases. They talk about miracles. In, in Scripture, in the, the Gospels, for example, Jesus talks about how the temple is going to be destroyed. Well, if it's written before the temple was destroyed, we've got a miracle on our hands where Jesus is able to prophesy a future event. But in order to get around that, these scholars wow. who, who deny the possibility of miracles, they say, well, it must be written after that. And they'll point to that prophecy and say, oh, it has to have been written after because you, you can't know that. That would mean a miracle occurred and miracles can't happen. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And there's also the piece that um, I've had conversations where, and you can take um, Matthew chapter 16 where uh, Jesus speaks about the church. Yeah. And there's also the the text um, uh, where there's a conflict in in um, Matthew 19, where you know Jesus is talking. I'm thinking it's 19. I have to anyway. Um, but where he says, you know, if you have a disagreement with your brother, you guys, the best way to handle a conflict is for the people that in the conflict to work it out themselves. Yeah, and go be made right with your brother. Right. Whatever, yeah. And then if not, then you, you bring another person, you know, and then in other words, you have a mediator, yeah. you know, what we would do today. And then if that doesn't work, then tell it to the church. Yeah. And so when they when they look at that, they go, oh, well, this had to have been written by the church because look at the formal process yeah. that they have. Yeah. So Jesus couldn't have possibly uh, written that. And because the the um, the church didn't even exist at that time, because right. the church, you know, uh, according to some timelines, the church began at Pentecost in, in yeah. Acts. So, um, but the problem there, in part, is with the translation, because we translate ecclesia for church, and it really just means the assembly, right? Right. What whatever group that is, just tell it to the group. Right. Um, 
and and you know there's so many ways and nuances that you can take when you're looking at scripture and really kind of uh, for lack of a better term manipulate it and and I'm I'm sure that I'm sure that I've been guilty of of that doing that unintentionally yeah. but you can if you're you can really do it intentionally of course you can and 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 make it say pretty much Whatever you whatever want it to you say. wanted to say, yeah, and I think that's what a lot of these scholars are doing. They're approaching the Bible, and they're saying these are folk. This is folklore. Miracles don't really happen. So these are just stories, and the truth doesn't really matter. They're just injecting kind of these these um, elements, sort of as more you know, morality plays, things like that. And it's not an attempt to actually um, be historically accurate. One of the things that's interesting, we'll get into this later. Uh, Colin Hemer wrote a book, and I believe it's called Acts in Hellenistic society or something like that, you know, and he records in his book a set of 84 facts that are, he says, they're painfully precise facts that Luke went well beyond the normal standard to get exactly precisely right. And these are down to the most minute things. And he's saying if, if, if Luke went to that trouble to get these specific things like the depth of the water when you did the sounding off mm-hmm. the side of the boat, all these things, and he's got 84 examples of it, Luke's trying to tell the truth here. He's not just making stuff up. He's mm-hmm. not just conveniently going, oh, and there was a miracle. That didn't really happen. You know, that's, that is not, um, that's not how, that's not how this is being done. Yeah. But so they're approaching it as folklore just kind of you know fast and loose with the facts and i think it's exactly the opposite and they they use so when they approach them and say oh i see this they had to they had to have known that event occurred and so they have to put it in there but they can't have written it before that it's impossible miracles don't occur yeah and, and that's I, and that's the that the whole idea and we've talked about this we we as as believers are in in, in with everyone we have to be aware of our bias Oh, sure because we, we walk yeah. into that, and if I walk in and go, well, m- miracles in my mind cannot exist. So when I read about a miracle, of course I just have to discount it. that. Yep, um, yeah, I, that's true. And I think to me, and what I do usually, just the way, the way I handle this is when people say things like that to me, I pull back from it a little bit, and I'll say, let's 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 talk about the framework that you're you're sit, fitting this into. Because what you're really not saying is you're not really challenging the Bible. You're, you're making a claim that your worldview is true, that miracles don't happen, that there is no supernatural. And you've not given me evidence to believe that. So let's start with you giving me evidence that, in, in most cases, naturalism is true. And there's no supernatural realm and that sort of thing. Um, so make the case. And at that point, of course, they disconnect. And usually I've never really had anybody follow up on that. They get mad and they, and they'll say, well, if you don't know it's true, then, you know. Yeah. And which basically means I don't have an argument. Oh, yeah. That's, that's been my experience. <laughs> I can't, I can't answer that question. Yeah, we, we, um, you know, we, we know this when, um, we hear people that, um, are even trying to make a, a variety of social stuff. If, if it's, uh, goes against what they want to happen, then, well, well, you know, I, I, uh, I just a quick um, story of because this works. Mm-hmm. Um, when my kids would complain about something mm-hmm. and I really didn't have a response to it. Now, some some parents out there that listeners, they may say, this is cruel, but it worked. Uh-huh. Okay. I didn't think it was cruel. But I would just go, if they were, you know, complaining about something, blah, 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 and I would say, do you, is, do you have your socks on? And they would say, 
if they did, they would say, well, yeah. And I would say, well, we'll take them off. <laughs> and the only thing I was doing was creating a distraction. Yeah, yeah. Because then Changing they would, the subject. Yeah, because they would be so, in, even today, and they're all in their 30s. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'll go, if we're having a conversation, do you ever, you ever your socks on? No. We'll, we'll put them on. It didn't yeah. it didn't really matter because that's where I was going to say. Some other thing about other things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, you know that um, making a detour. Yeah. Um, anyway, it works, well, and that's hard. what happens a lot in theological conversations. It you know they when they don't have an argument, they either just have to stop or right. we'll get on a subject that who knows what. Well, and what there's a phrase. That's, <laughs> it, it, the phrase is called shifting the burden of proof. And people that come and say the Bible's nonsense because of these reasons, um, they'll want you to get on your your heels and start saying, "Well, the Bible is is valid," and you know, start fighting it. It's not your job to do it at that point. I think at that point that it's your job to ask a question. Well, why do you believe that miracles don't happen? Why do you think that this this element here that we know is historically accurate, it's been verified through archaeology or whatever, independent historical documents talk about it. How do you know that, you know, this other part is not, well, because miracles don't happen. Well, tell me about that. Help me understand why you think miracles don't happen. They don't like the fact that they're being called to answer their own questions. They just want to accuse the Bible. They want to accuse Christians and and try and make Christians look foolish. And, you know, we as, as believers, we really need to be okay with critical thinking. Yes, that's true. Uh, and 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 humans, we really don't do well with that. Yeah. And I mean, look where we are socially <laughs> today. I mean, we just gosh. Yeah, is that ever um, true? And I think another thing we have to be care- we have to remember. Um, and we have a couple seconds here to before we we wrap up. Another thing we have to remember, and I have to remember myself, is when you enter into these conversations, you're not there to try and. Um, there's not an open question about whether your view is right or not. God exists, and the Bible's true. We know that to be the case, and we're not. There's nothing that anybody can say or do that will impeach that, or that will undermine that. And the fact that somebody is attacking that is not a threat to me. Whereas I used to believe that, and there are times where it's like, oh, you know, I better defend that, or I'm going to look foolish, and I'm going to walk away with my tail between my legs, or whatever. And early on, whenever I would start these conversations, there were many times that I would get very I would feel kind of that emotional surge of, I don't know what to do here. I don't know what to say here. And I do think that those moments drove me to study and read and learn. But if we approach these conversations and realize that we're there for the purpose of evangelism, to share the truth, they don't have to accept it. And we're told in in Scripture that they won't accept it. And they're going to make fun of us. And they're going to, you know, all these terrible things are going to end up happening to us. And what does Jesus say? Rejoice in that day because they did the same thing to the prophets of old. And um, so, but this is not about trying to establish what's true. We know what's true. This is about helping them see it, and so we can be gentle with them. And if they refuse to accept, they refuse to accept it. Yeah. It's not. It's not on us. We're not t- told that we have to convert people. We're told to preach the word, and this is just about trying to help equip people to do that more yeah. effectively. Yeah, and that, that and that whole idea of speaking the truth in love. In is, love is very is important. Very, yeah, very important. Huge, That's the part that nobody seems to. I, I don't. Well, that's a hard. There, there are many times that I, I walk away thinking I need to go apologize because I wasn't as nice as I should have been. Yeah, you've done that. And, to then, me and then my wife will look at me and say, "I forgive you." But no, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's not my wife I'm talking to in those circumstances. So let's stop here. I want to. We're going to spend obviously more time on this, and we're just kind of beginning to unpack this. But we'll we'll stop here and then move on. Okay.
Thanks, Scott. You've been listening to Hacks for Life with Galen Jones of James Group Ministries. The James Group is a nonprofit, Christ centered organization that seeks to serve the community by offering skilled, caring support for anyone in need. For help, call 972 243 4673. That's 972 243 4673. For questions and comments, email Galen at jamesgroupministries.net. That's G A L O N at jamesgroupministries.net. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for another Hacks for Life with Galen Jones.